0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Hardcore Football. I'm Phil Baki and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mika Burrell. Mika, uh, so very calm weekend of soccer to talk about. Um, not really a ton to cover and just should be pretty quick in and out. Nothing interesting really <laughs> going on at all.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, like, <laughs> what a bummer, because we, we waited two weeks after, you know, the interlum and just nothing happened. It was crazy. <laughs> This Nothing is, happened except everything.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this is wild. Like it seems like every week, do you think it's just like a product of the the layoff or the nature of the season? But I mean, it seems like every week is just crazy, like to an extent way beyond what you'd expect in a normal season.
1: Yeah, I think I think it has to be I think these players are like vastly overworked. I have no idea why we're having like international football right now. And, but we still are. Um, and yeah, the way that the season is set up, I mean, some of these sides, especially the ones involved in Europe, maybe didn't have as long of a preseason as they would have liked. And this is just like pandemic football, like goals on goals (laughs) and just ridiculousness all around, like in every league. So,
0: um, were you able to to enjoy your weekend uh, aside from the football, of course?
1: Yes, yes. Um, I mean, of course, our local club, El Paso Locomotive, they are through to the US Conference final, so that was fun. Um, and then after that, I yeah, after that watching that match, I mean, I was just at home like watching watching the football and uh <laughs> enjoying it and just relaxing. I mean nothing about these games was relaxing, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, my, my weekend was good. What about you?
0: Uh, yeah, uh, obviously a lot of, a lot of football taken in for sure. Um, but some, uh, yeah, I mean, it was focused primarily on recharging the batteries, nothing crazy, just kind of low key, yeah. um, and, uh, gave lots of opportunities for watching, watching amazing, uh, some amazing games this weekend. Um, I mean, we may as well dive right into the premier league because, and we spoke about before that we, we don't always want to lead off with the premier league, but the premier league just keeps doing the most.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they are, <laughs> it's a marketing dream for, for the premier league right now. Just so much is going on and it's just ridiculous. I mean, I <laughs> mean, I mean, what we got to start with the Merseyside Barbie, right? I mean, we have to.
0: <laughs> no, we got to like, get your take. Oh, uh, I, and it's it's tough. I want to lead off with all this with two disclaimers, and and the first is obviously I'm coming at this as a Liverpool fan. For those who haven't listened. To this show before or haven't heard any of my or seen any of my commentary. I'm a massive Liverpool fan, so I'm coming at this from a place of bias. That's point number one. Point number two is that I thought that this was a really good game apart from a couple of moments uh, that obviously change the game. But I think we spoke about it uh, kind of. During slash like after immediately following the game, um, and it felt like a derby again, um, and that was kind of kind of your thought. It it felt competitive.
1: Yeah, the, I mean, this fixture hasn't been in quite a while. Let's be honest, the Merseyside derby. I mean. I remember when I was first getting into the English game and, you know, reading about the, all the different rivalries and stuff, they would call this rivalry like a friendly one because it's just been so, uh, you know, weighted in the favor of the reds in recent, in recent years. And so this one felt like a proper Derby, like just tackles flying in goals, um, controversy, um, you know, much to the chagrin of Liverpool more than, more than uh, Everton. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Carlo Ancelotti gotten some into this side. He's put his hooks in them and they're, they look legitimate. Um, I think they end the day second in the league, if I'm not mistaken. So something like that, they're up there. I think, um, I think
0: they're actually still top now. Uh, or
1: they're top in Villa, are second, Villa think, or second. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's insane. I mean, it's still very early <laughs> days, obviously, but still for Everton to to start the way they have is, 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 you know, incredible. And and I think Ancelotti deserves a lot of, um, you know, a lot of kudos for that and, and the club as well in supporting him, you know, via the transfer market this summer. But yeah, I mean the football itself, I thought it was a good game. I think ultimately Liverpool probably should have won and I'm assuming we'll get into that, but, yeah. uh, yeah, just, uh, Unfortunately, the the football was overshadowed by a lot of this VAR ridiculousness and and officiating and and some like straight up like goon behavior by some of the <laughs> Everton players. So yeah, just this 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 game had everything.
0: My yeah, and I I think that's that's what's most disappointing about it, it in the grand scheme is. We've we've spoken in these first few episodes about like, are Everton the real deal? Are they the real deal? And I think we've seen that, yes, they can certainly on their day compete, you know, with with any team. Um, But it's what's unfortunate about this one is that, you know, in a couple of ways, it wasn't so much like the quality of Everton or them demonstrating like this, this change about them it was more akin to kind of an old Everton performance um, (laughs) against Liverpool, which would be reliant on playing like maybe overly physical at times, some of the like shithouse kind of stuff to kind of level the playing field, which has been, you know, if, if a lot of the discussion around Everton is that they are, you know, maybe in a different class than they have been previously, but for large portions of this game, Didn't necessarily, or I I won't say for large portions, but for portions of this game's kind of regressed to like what you'd expect in, in kind of, uh, a team trying to punch above its weight. Um, and the, the first moment obviously is, is the, well, the goal, I guess <laughs> like Liverpool's go- first goal, but that's quickly overshadowed, um, by the fact that, uh, you know, the ball over the top, uh, in that second phase of the set piece, Van Dyke loves to stay forward on those and Jordan Pickford absolutely flies out and wipes, wipes out the Dutchman. Um, and, and in the process, we now know, um, damages his ACL and he will likely face a very lengthy spell on the sidelines. um, As a result, it's been talked about to death at this point by pundits and everyone, but the, at the end of the day, like they don't review it for the red card, a potential red card offense. And it just is one.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the, the rationale was, it was offside. And so therefore we're not going to look, look at that, which I mean, every time one of these incidents happens now, I just find myself, I feel gaslighted. I'm like, do I even understand football anymore? (laughs) (laughs) And maybe that's, you know, and that's not VAR's fault. I mean, the technology is what it is. It's just, I think, exposing some of the, inadequacies I guess or the shortcomings in the rules of the game I guess you could say and also you know some of the less than seller officiating because uh, I think I I I don't know it just I I don't know what uh, how he escapes any type of punishment whatsoever and and, you know the FA did say well we're not going to retract you know retrospectively punish him because there was a a decision made on the pitch which Okay, fine. I get that because you don't want to keep calling the integrity of the on-match officials into question at every turn. But, I mean, this is just egregious. It's a horror challenge. I mean, he wraps both legs basically around Virgil's standing foot, left standing knee. And, you know, that's a leg breaker. (laughs) It's an ACL terror, obviously. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, like you said, he's going to be facing a a long layoff. And um, who knows if he'll be the same player. You know, um, speaking from the Arsenal perspective, I mean, Rob Holding had an ACL injury. Hector Bellerin, Hector Bellerin, a player, you know, renowned for his pace, does not have that pace anymore. Um, that same, you know, top speed. Um, Van Dijk has, if I'm not mistaken, he started all but one game since, or, or played in one game since, you know, joining Liverpool. So he's been transformative for that side and you know Joe Gomez I don't think has had the most stellar of starts and you know Fabinho's not a center back my tip is serviceable but I mean you know they're all they're all a level or two or three below <laughs> Virgil van Dijk arguably the best defender in the world and you know up there with you know Koulibaly so this is yeah it's terrible it's really terrible I mean you know I'm not a Liverpool fan but it's just terrible for the game that this this happens this way.
0: The, the interesting thing about the incident is obviously it's, it's reckless on the part of Pickford, um, which I found interesting because Van Dyke, where he's receiving the ball is not necessarily a threat to goal. He's a threat to maybe put it back into the area, he's not really a threat to score from the angle as long as he closed it down so the fact that he does charge out is just so reckless and seems so like out of control um that it's kind of shocking and i think it maybe underlines a different area of the game which you know we don't have to dive too much into but i think goalkeepers often get away with being reckless um I think in a lot of cases they could straight up punch someone if they come to clear across, um, and, and they wouldn't, you know, be banned. Obviously anyone else throwing a punch on the field would be, would be, uh, an immediate red card. Um, but in this case, I think he just feels the license to come out and make this challenge kind of with impunity and, and the fact that he does, you know, and, Then is not punished, therefore reinforcing his belief um, is is just uh, it's kind of it's kind of shocking to me. And the fact, you know, obviously, I think the bitter pill to swallow for any Liverpool fan is the fact that, you know, he's injured one of the best defenders in the world, not even been punished the small amount that he might have if he had been sent off, which is hardly justice for um, you know, a player who may face, you know, eight to eight months to a year on the sideline, um, depending on the severity of the, of the injury. But, um, it, it doesn't necessarily capture, I guess in within these 90 minutes, the, the, you know, there is no justice in football. That's not really how it works. Um, and Liverpool at the end think they've snatched the winner. And, uh, the new guidelines for handball actually turn into an offside decision.
1: <laughs> what is it now? It's the bottom of the sleeve is where they draw the line. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, they say the t-shirt line, but I think there's supposed to be a, like, I, I don't know. It's an arbitrary point on the upper arm, I guess. That
1: uh, I, I just... You, the The problem I have with this this, uh, you know, Henderson's equalizer being chalked off or offside is that this is a sport. It's not science. Why are we examining it with this level of detail? And again, I'm not blaming the technology. The technology does what it does. You know, it's right. just the rules, obviously. I don't know. We need to rethink of some sort because this is never offside for me. Like, um, I, I just... the. I think Yuri Mina's foot is still closer to goal than any goal scoring part of Sadio Mane's body. So I just don't understand. Um and honestly, it would have been a perfect way to cap off the the what should have been a victory for Liverpool because it's a mistake, I think by Jordan Pickford like I don't I don't really understand what he's doing there. Um probably should save that. Um but um yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but can I say though that <laughs> I think I think Liverpool probably should have won two one as well. Um, the equalizer, I just I know Trent Alexander Arnold is so so gifted going forward and on on set pieces, but he just lets Dina blow by him, and he let him do that a couple of times, and I've seen him do that with other defenders too. So that side of his game, I think uh, ultimately costs. Liverpool three points in a way, because um, that 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 uh, equalizer for Everton doesn't happen without that, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> without him just letting his man get away from him. Which Lukaku is you know probably after Robertson the best left back in the Premier League. So yeah, the the whole thing. I just I'm I'm glad that I'm a neutral <laughs> for this one because there's so much there that could aggravate me if I supported one of these one of these clubs
0: and. Yeah, Dominic Calvert Lewin's equalizer. Obviously, it's a it's a great leap from the from the England forward, and he's he's in such amazing form at the moment. Um but fair I think equally frustrating to Trent to Trent allowing the cross so easily is is Gomez getting caught under the ball. Um and not he doesn't actually find he's ball side of Calvert Lewin. Like he's between Calvert Lewin and the ball, but he doesn't find calvert lewin in the box and robertson is actually trying to get like ball side of calvert lewin he's never going to get there coming all the way from left back so uh, yeah that was a frustrating goal to concede because from the moment that Dina is getting down the sideline you know the target yeah everybody on the field knew he's gonna loft one into the box and say go get like, go get it to to Calvert-Lewin. And, he, and
1: he's one of the best crossers in the ball in Europe, I argue. So yeah. you know what he's going to do. And it may um, still
0: have resulted in a goal. Like, I don't know that Gomez gets ahead to it. But the fact that Gomez isn't immediately finding Calvert-Lewin and just smothering it or attempting to smother him, um, that, you know... That you think was he would have
1: been defending those in England training a couple of days ago.
0: Sure. But, <laughs> um,
1: yeah, it's uh, and 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 that puts I think Joe Gomez into even more focus now because I, like I said, I don't think he's had a great start to the season, um, by any stretch of the imagination. And now with Van Dyke out, I mean, he's back in contention, you know. Um, so yeah, just it's it's interesting. I, you know, I, when we first started this podcast I predicted Manchester City to win the league I did not expect Liverpool to have this much adversity to start though (laughs) I thought it would be close and I'm not saying that it can't be it's still very very early days but I mean Allison and Van dyke that's huge you know those are two two uh two of the best players in the world in their position arguably and so yeah, it's it's
0: unfortunate. Sorry, t- Phil. <laughs> <laughs> well, and two of the pieces that, that really transformed this Liverpool side, I think, you know, the the right. change occurred you you can obviously point to to Sadio and Mo Salah and Bobby Firmino like coming in and elevating the attack, but certainly Liverpool weren't a serious title contending side until the addition of of Van Dyke and, and then Allison. Um that's when they start winning trophies. Um and right. so you can kind of point to that moment. But um the last thing I'll say on this, I'm I'm interested in your in your uh thoughts on this. So obviously Pickford poor challenge early on in the game. Richarlison punished for a very bad challenge on Tiago uh in stoppage time as well. Um the reaction to Richarlison's is obviously much more visceral, uh, on the field. I think the amount of players kind of in the area influences just how seen this incident is. Um, but this is again, the type of tackle that like could have seriously impacted Tiago's career at 29 years old.
1: Yeah, and it's not like Thiago doesn't have a long, long injury list already, you know. Um, as talented as he is, he has struggled with injuries throughout his his career. It's a horror challenge. I mean, I, I think he is going for the ball, but I mean, he f- flies in there. And I don't see on the replay him really try to pull out of it. Um, and then he, of course, tries to act at just as injured as Thiago is. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, I, I've never thought of Richarlison as quote that kind of player. You know, I don't know that he is. Um, I don't, to be fair, I don't watch him week in, week out. But it's very, very reckless indeed. And um, what I was able to gather though today was that the the injury is not nearly as serious as as Van Dyke's, which is good. So sounds like Thiago is questionable at least for the the uh, Champions League tie with uh, with Ajax. So. Mm-hmm. So that's good. I mean, the guy already had COVID. I mean, he doesn't need an right. ACL too, you know. So, um, yeah, it's it's a terrible challenge as well. And um, he does at least get the red card for that, right? So yes,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, but the yeah. the interesting thing, I guess, is in the past, I think a lot of these tackles impacted kind of the the personal. Like brand almost of of players, where I the most famous example, and and I mean I don't know if this is reaching too far back, uh but um I think it would have been about maybe twenty ten two thousand nine. Aaron Ramsey had his leg broken by Ryan Shawcross yep. um, of Stoke. Stoke forever, and it <laughs> it legitimately I mean the path of Shawcross's career was impacted like forever, like he. He was a serious, like England, you know, uh, prospect. He was like solid, like young defender, kind of growing into the game. And he he had a he saw out like a mildly successful career at Stoke, but he was never more than that. Like he never grew from that point in the game after breaking Aaron Ramsey's leg with a hor- argu- a horror challenge.
1: Yeah, and and arguably Ramsey could have had much. A much more illustrious career I, I mean thankfully he, he has had a pretty successful one you know he's been an FA Cup hero for Arsenal but he struggled with injuries a lot of the muscle injuries of course but I mean you just wonder what that does on the body you know something like that and at his age he was quite young when that happened um yeah that is that is an interesting point um you think that do you think that that same kind of uh disdain for players is not there anymore after these kind of challenges? Or do you think uh, it's very much is case by case
0: or I think it's, I think it's more tribal, like it's
1: more tribal now.
0: Like I think, I think Liverpool fans already like, you know, didn't think that highly of Jordan Pickford, but I think now like, it's gotten much more toxic uh, in their Mm -hmm. responses to him um, or their, you know, reactions to Jordan Pickford. Um, And I think there's a certain element of, you know, I, I think the English press in particular is quite guilty of certain players. They will vilify for this sort of thing. Um, They were very quick To do the not that type of player to Jordan Pickford, which is fine, like, and understandable, I think, in this situation that I don't think he sets out to injure Van Dyke, but it is a bad challenge that doesn't belong in the game. So, like, that does endanger Van Dyke. So, I think there's a fine line there of if that was, I mean, say, like, maybe. I'm just trying to think of like any in Martin Dubrovka or insert like foreign goalkeeper here who, you know,
1: yeah.
0: Like if it was someone else, uh, without who doesn't wear the England number one, is he carrying a worse reputation because of this sort of challenge?
1: Oh, well, I, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. Cause Ederson is known as reckless when it's like Pickford's arguably just as you know, they, they say he's not that kind of player. And I think they mean that in like, he's not violent. He doesn't intend to injure anyone. And I do believe that, but he is that kind of player in the recklessness of his play. Um, he's constantly flying out. <laughs> his form doesn't warrant starting for England, in my opinion, um, but you know, he's, he's doing Kepa level shit every week and he is not nearly the meme that Kepa Balaga is. Right. So yeah, <laughs> the yeah. English press do perpetuate this, uh, this, this dichotomy, I guess you could say.
0: Well, I think we have spent more than enough time, probably more time than we intended on, uh, -hmm. on the Merseyside Derby, but the two, two result obviously does, uh, keep Everton top and Liverpool still, um, in the chasing pack, oddly enough, uh, in this bizarre world season. Um, (laughs) but Spurs West Ham produce the result of the weekend in terms of pure shock value in, my Twitter timeline went from Spurs are title contenders to Spurs gonna Spurs in the span of 10 minutes.
1: Yeah, they were title contenders for like 80 minutes. That's <laughs> fucked up, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I obviously laughed. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I, I turned this game on. I, I fully intended on giving it a good watch. It is a London Derby. You know, West Ham hates Spurs and i'm sure vice versa. Um so it was a big game. I watched all three goals for Spurs go in and then i turned it off. I I I went to Schalke Union Berlin because i was like okay cool like the game is over and uh, as long as i've been watching soccer i guess i still have yet to learn that the game is never over especially when when you know Spurs are involved. Um i yeah i don't know like they were sensational like they started brilliantly um and and you know the (laughs) the thing about this result too that really really um is sad I guess you could say is that Harry Kane had a world-class performance and now like nobody really cares I mean he had a brace a brilliant assist for human son I mean he's playing you know I think Marino's really got something here with playing Harry Kane in this kind of like withdrawn number 10 role almost because, you know, Harry's had multiple ankle injuries. I think he has lost a step. Right. And, and maybe using him in this more withdrawn role where he can play make, he's always been a good passer. I think that's a, a, a good shout and it bears fruit here in this one, but they just, I don't know. <laughs> I <Like how they laughs> let this get away from them in such a short space of time.
0: On the on on Harry Kane, I think, and, and he's not a player I like in in terms of like personal. Obviously, I'm sure you feel this as a as an Arsenal supporter. I don't like Harry Kane, um, but I think we are currently seeing like the runification of Harry Kane because Rooney extended shout. his career for a long time once he moved out of that number nine and into that more withdrawn role as a, as a playmaker. So that's I a think,
1: fantastic point.
0: I think we're seeing it kind of replicated here and maybe, maybe Mourinho's look to look to Alex Ferguson as, <laughs> as inspiration. Um, yeah, he's Harry Kane's got, uh, what was that picnic table United vibes, uh, on Rooney, <laughs> at the picnic table cloth, um, yeah. But uh, but anyways, yeah, the capitulation itself is is odd. And I think before we even get there, we have to talk about the fact that Gareth Bale, seven years and five months from his departure uh, uh, from Spurs to Real Madrid um, returns, uh, comes on as a substitute and has a chance to win this game for spurs and fluffs his lines
1: yeah he I don't know what the hell's going on there he should be scoring he should be scoring and making it comfortable like more than comfortable more comfortable than it already was like I don't <laughs> I just I mean he's a spurs boy through and through I guess I don't I, I don't, <laughs> you know I don't I I know probably there will be Spurs fans who listen to this and I really don't mean to like you know, completely just pile on, but it's just crazy. Like you cannot, it's weird. Cause this is a Mourinho team. Like the hallmarks of a Mourinho team are not it here in this performance, you know? And that's, I think another part of this that's really jarring is just just, I don't know. Is it and and that then that kind of begs the question of okay, well, is it not because of the manager? Is it because of this like institutional memory to do these things? <laughs> you know, kind of like a reflex almost.
0: It it feels that way. Like I genuinely think Gareth Bale left seven years ago in five months, and there's been literally I uh, you know hundreds of millions of pounds, if not approaching a billion pounds injected into this club in one form or another in terms of revenue and just increased brand awareness. Like there, this club has grown a lot since G- Gareth Bale left and yet they still do shit like capitulate in the last 10 minutes of what should be a comfortable win against West Ham. So it's like Gareth Bale left and came back to the same exact shit that he left in the first place. <laughs>
1: Yeah, just with you know cheese rooms in an NFL locker room.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> he's yeah, like, I so feel fortunate. at home here. You know, <laughs> like uh, I don't know. It's just it, and again, like I'm not trying to to like dig the knife in with Spurs fans too hard. It's just it's it's just so shocking. Um, yeah. and and I think it's sharp. It's obviously made sharper. The the nature of the goals has to be like such a the first two essentially like have to just make Jose lose his mind. Cause I mean, we have a set piece and then we have a simple cross that's just headed home by Davinson Sanchez for no discernible reason. Um Doesn't have to make a diving header, but does anyways. And then we see Lanzini pull something out of, out of the hat that, we, I mean, we've been waiting for Manuel Lanzini to do this for like five years at West Ham.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, I, it's a wonder strike at the death. I mean, he couldn't have hit it any better. And, I, you know, speaking of injuries, you know, we talk about Harry Kane. Manuel Lanzini's been completely, like, totally just derailed by injuries. And so for him to, to do this and then for, for West Ham to kind of just all pile on each other, like, like kids in the, in a playground, you know um, it was really something else Um on the same token though. It must be exhausting to be a West Ham fan because they literally can beat and get beat by anyone on any day. I mean, they just smashed Lester, like not in the not too distant past. Yeah. Um, And then they do this at the, at the new white Hart lane. It's just incredible. Um, David Moyes, you know, I mean, he's one of the most disrespected coaches in the world, probably for his, (laughs) his ill-fated time at United, but he's got something here.
0: I mostly dislike David Moyes for his, uh, butchered pronunciation of Ira Mendy, uh, (laughs) Iaramendi if I, yeah, that's, that's Moyes. Um, no, it, it, there's something, something in the water right now at West Ham and at least belief if, if nothing else. Um, and, and to come back from three nil down away from home is no small task, um, in a London Derby. Yeah. Without final, any of
1: your fans there
0: in the final 10 minutes. So yeah, that's quite, quite the accomplishment for the hammers. And I'm sure their, their fans must've celebrated that Lanzini equalizer as, as vociferously as, as the players did. Or Moyes, um, maybe mobility wise, uh, you know, (laughs) he got out onto the field, but um, not the only three, three of the weekend in the premier league, Chelsea find a way to draw three, three against Southampton. And I mean, it's essentially a perfect microcosm of this Chelsea side that Werner scores his first premier league goal adds a second Kai Havertz as well scores. And yet this defense cannot keep Southampton out.
1: No, Kurt Zuma is not good enough. Andreas Christensen is probably not good enough either. Thiago Silva was not in the side because he'd been traveling with Brazil. Uh, Kepa is Kepa. Um, Kurt Zuma doesn't help him on that last chance, but uh, he still makes a mistake. Um, and I, it's, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I like to say that I think that I don't trust Lampard, but in this one, it's not necessarily that there was like a huge breakdown in the system. It was just a lot of individual errors, I think. And, you know, I mean, I guess that does still reflect on the coach. I mean, you need to be working with these players, but I just think that what they have at the back is not nearly, you know, it's like the meme of like the car that has like a Lamborghini front and like a rusted, like hoopty back. (laughs) Like that's kind of, you know, Chelsea at, at the moment. And, um, I, I don't know. I think uh, I, I just have to say I think Southampton got a lot of energy from the the kids. They had big uh, River Plate energy with these kids. I yeah. really like them. <laughs>
0: <so>. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. And Ralph Hasenhüttl is just a fantastic coach. So I, you know, good on them.
0: Yeah, and I'm certainly always happy. I'm happy when for Danny Ings uh, when right. when he does score. Um. And Shea Adams, I think has gleaned some Ings energy from him um, mm-hmm. because his goal is a very I, I genuinely like when it was from the wide angle I thought it was Danny Ings just like the location and kind of where he popped <laughs> up um, I was like oh that's a that's an Ings tap it like that's a poacher's goal type thing but Shea Adams gets the goal and then Vestergaard obviously a little bit lucky with the deflection Theo, Theo Walcott <laughs> Involved, yeah involved as well arsenal arsenal uh legend
1: <laughs> yeah he's back back where it all began at saint mary's um rocking the man bun uh <laughs> which is interesting for for Theo. um and yeah he equalizes so what a great way to to mark your second debut i guess um so yeah i'm i'm always happy for Theo. he scored over 100 goals for for arsenal so I mean, arguably he probably is one of the modern legends, as funny as <laughs> that sounds.
0: Oh, I mean, he, he absolutely like made a name for himself there. Um and uh but yeah, uh they they snag Saints snag a uh, snag a draw in, in London as well. Um so a lot of a lot of big away results this weekend, I think, as we keep exploring. Um but your club, Arsenal, did face off. Uh, it was Mikel Arteta versus Pep, the, uh, the tiki-taka derby or something like that. I don't even know. <laughs> um, but 1-0 it ends, Raheem Sterling's goal. But this is a pretty weird 1-0. Um, loads of chances for both sides.
1: Yeah, loads of chances for both sides. I think with... Um I think with us, we still are kind of suffering from a lot of the same issues. Just creativity is hard to come by. Um, if Alba's not scoring, no one is, <laughs> as, as, as is often the case. Um, I think for City, they didn't have Kevin De Bruyne in the middle of the park weaving everything together, so, you know, they missed him. But, I mean, I, they've got all the other world-class players they can trot out, and they did, Um I think ultimately they win because they've got better players, to be honest. Um, Cause I think we actually defended quite well. Um, and, and Mikel Arteta is very much focused on structure for the time being and not the, f- you know, the free flowing attacking football that we've come to, you know, we've become used to under Austin and Wenger. So I've seen fans kind of upset about this result and I'm just really not. I mean, you know, this time last year, we're, we'd be getting battered 6-0 or something like that, you know, <laughs> to only come away with the 1-0. It's still a loss. You know, we still need to bear that in mind as we try to, to you know, in our quest for Champions League football next season. But this is not a disaster by any stretch of the imagination, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, just just kind of a weird one. Uh, you know, I don't think City necessarily played lights out or anything, but they're just, they have better players. And, and you know, Raheem certainly takes his chance, and that's that.
0: I I think too when you look at the nature of the chances that City create, um, a lot of them are one through Riyad Mahrez, which obviously not not you know a big negative for City or anything like that. But he ends up shooting from narrow angles, kind yeah. of a lot in this game. And um, interestingly enough, it seemed like the chances that were falling to Arsenal were maybe a little bit higher quality. But coming from similar areas, like uh, Bukayo Saka gets in in behind a couple of times, actually. um, Yeah. Through that kind of channel um, out on the left-hand side. And, uh, you know, maybe should do better in a couple of moments, but obviously not not an in-the-box sort of player. um, Yeah. Starting in kind of a right-back, you know, position. And now he's being employed kind of in the center of midfield. But um, but yeah, I, I think both teams were able to create chances from wide, but maybe not those central kind of chances that obviously with a guy like Aguero through the center or for Arsenal, Alba or, or Laka or whoever, you know, whoever's playing through the center, that's obviously who you want on the end of of things or Oboe coming from wide I guess most recently but um, yeah cuz
1: uh, we put Willian <laughs> the, at center forward which I uh you know I don't I don't begrudge Arteta for trying things um but that just did not work um I think the idea was to pull one of those defenders out um to to mark Willian but Willian just looked uncomfortable in that area and really didn't do much I think hot take but I think he's going to be the new Mkhitaryan um Mm. he was good against Fulham and then he's really not done much since um so uh whether he was playing lights out or not I still think the contract for him is just way too long for a player of his age but but I digress um yeah just you know (laughs) we uh you know we didn't we didn't uh we we just lack that 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 ins- that killer instinct and that that creative impetus that uh, I think really it's not going to come with better training or anything. I think we just need to invest. I think we still are are missing that playmaker and Mezzadossi is not getting into the side ever again. So yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. So after after all the weekend's results, uh, Aston Villa remain the only uh, unbeaten and undrawn, like perfect start so far. But they do have a game in hand and they take on Leeds on Friday so interesting uh
1: little yeah. match
0: up there um and a test uh Leeds falling actually today to Wolves 1-0 um so bit of a chess match there between Nuno and uh and Marcelo but uh we'll see if Dean Smith can continue his perfect start to the season with Villa
1: that's insane <laughs> they're gonna win the league aren't they
0: i mean at this point <laughs> like they narrowly avoided relegation so are we due for like all the other teams are playing like shit so we're due for like a crap title winner to win with like 82 points or whatever like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my
1: god so weird. Mark, mark lowry would love that
0: oh it'd be that'd be insane um <laughs> Well, Mika, I don't know about you, but I think uh, it's time for us to uh, take a quick break and then move on to some uh, some further afield uh, leagues across Europe because um, still plenty to talk about outside of the Premier League.
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: All right. Welcome back to Hardcore Football. Mika, we're headed to Spain now, and La Liga just decided to follow suit with the Premier League um, and offer a couple stunning results and <laughs> uh, and some VAR cart- controversy as well. So we'll start with Betis Sociedad from yesterday. Uh, obviously, a big match with a couple of teams that have started pretty brightly, but Betis in particular... Um, up in the further reaches of the table and had the chance to go top, actually, of La Liga with a win and stumbled against Sociedad. um, Not without its controversy, though.
1: Yeah, yeah. Betis uh, gets smashed by the current league leaders, Real Sociedad 3-0. Look, before I go into it, I don't think Betis deserved to win this match. I think Sociedad were just better all around. Um, You know, Betis their fullbacks kept getting caught way out and just so say that would ex- exploit that space with the talents that they have especially Oya um so so yeah i don't think that they deserve to win the match but on the ar i mean the biggest one for me is the no no penalty call on antonio sanabria who had his shirt literally ripped in half by robin Lenormand. <laughs> Lin- 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 on VAR like you can clearly see this and then he goes to the referee and says look at my shirt like you can literally if there's a hole <laughs> he's got physical evidence of the crime and yet no conviction so yeah um and, and VAR looked at it and they just waved it off um i mean spanish refereeing has this reputation Already, and now we add technology to that, and they're still just ignoring the things that they see with their own eyes, it's just ridiculous. Um, should have been a penalty. And I, you know, Sanabria is in good form, he probably would have scored it, or whoever would have taken it. Um, so yeah, it's you know, again, I don't think Betty should have won, you know, had enough to win the match, but Betty surely would be annoyed with,
0: with this one, and uh, Sanabria also had pretty much i mean he thought he had equalized uh shortly after coming on uh like comes on at halftime and in like f- the f- 45th like, at like 45 45 yeah he has the ball in the back of the net <laughs> um <And
1: it's> all- <laughs> yeah
0: marginal offside as well um so unfortunate, i think for betsy's in the in the sense that if the goal come cuz orozabal's Penalty um, in this, you know, doesn't come till the 74th minute. And in that time, there are those two moments where Betsy's could have equalized. um, And in the in the one case, sh- definitely should have had a penalty, um, which <laughs> the most farcical moment of that being the fact that the referee actually awards a free kick to Sociedad. Like, yeah, after yeah. watching the replay is like, oh, free kick against against Sanabria so like it it got worse than just it being the wrong decision of like oh it's not a penalty like no call he actually gives a foul against the player who had his shirt pulled
1: yeah it's just like at this point I just they, I feel like s- some referees are like insulted by the fact that they have to consult the technology and still go with the call that they want and it's just crazy it's absolutely nuts <laughs> Um. Yeah, uh, and and Robin Le Norman man, like he was being pretty dirty all night, like just grabbing people, hauling people down. Like I, I he, I guess he's he's kind of lucky too to make it through the match. So yeah, just wasn't to be for for uh, Real Betis on the day.
0: Yeah, uh, Pellegrini denied the chance to go top um, with his his new club. But um, we mentioned we mentioned obviously like old school old school Manchester United with Wayne Rooney and David Moyes. So obviously we have to mention the third goal scorer for Sociedad, Adnan Yanuzai.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, man. The former United prodigy had that spell in Dortmund where he went on loan, did not play, you know, just was supposed to be the next big thing. He's now at Real Sociedad. He put, he, you know, he's pretty good for Sosio that I think he's finally found a place so um yeah good for him but it's just I don't know it's annoying <laughs> this whole that game annoyed me so much just everything
0: <laughs> yeah I think uh I thought I think Betico's uh the world over will be annoyed with the result um and certainly see it as a missed opportunity to to gain some ground given the fact that the big boys in the league at least Barca and Real Madrid both lose, uh, one nil in their respective games. Um, Barca to Hatafe and, uh, and Real Madrid to Cadiz. So, I mean, what did you, what did you, I mean, for them both to go down in the same weekend is kind of momentous. There's not been many weekends like this in La Liga in recent memory.
1: Yeah, this this weekend was one of those weekends where athletic fans are over the moon um that that the two big boys <laughs> drop points. Um you know with with Bar- you know fair to be fair I did not watch the entirety of both these matches but I did catch some of each. You know with Barcelona the, that one's a little more forgivable because it's Getafe and they are a very very tough side to play against, very physical. Um some would say dirty uh (laughs) and uh they're always kind of reaching around those european spots and they were last last year as well so that one's they should still be beating them don't get me wrong and and ronald kuman will have questions about this one but um that one's not nearly as shocking to me at least as 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 real madrid falling to Cardiff at home at the um Estadio, Alfredo Di Stefano. Um, (laughs) Cadiz have never beaten Real Madrid on the road and they are newly promoted. And it's just very, I mean, I don't know. Real Madrid, they just don't have this killer instinct in front of goal this season. It feels like there's something missing there and I don't know what it is. And and Zidane must feel as as much too because he makes like four changes at halftime. Yeah. So <laughs> he's trying to look for the answer too. Um, so yeah, uh, very strange indeed for both of them to lose and both of them to lose uh, going into next weekend's Clasico. So right. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I found it. I found it particularly fun that B in Sport all, all their broadcasts had like,
1: like El six Gran Clasico six
0: days, like <laughs> yeah. and. Meanwhile, like both those teams were just offering absolutely nothing mm-hmm. <laughs> for 90 minutes in in their respective matches. Um, I mean, you mentioned Madrid, and I think we focused a little bit on Barca, obviously, because they had a couple of co- comfortable results. And, and I think we know there are flaws uh, in that Barca side. And I think we know that there's um, just a lot of things that Koeman, like needs to figure out uh, sooner than later. Um, to get them firing again, um, Antoine Griezmann probably remains the biggest question mark. But for Madrid, they have all of these pieces that we know are effective. We know that this team, you know, essentially like these 11 players have all been very good at one point, you know, whether together or not. But it seems like the biggest problem that Zidane is having is finding what players he wants to play with Benzema up top. Like he can't yeah. decide whether it's Vasquez that should be up there. Obviously, Vinicius Jr. like plays has played more frequently this season. Um, but Jovich comes in again, like Luka Jovic, not really making the impact that Zidane probably wants. I know he had written Jovic off initially, so it it just seems very disjointed. And is this perhaps the area where we're now seeing the lack of business for Real Madrid start to make an impact where they're just like maybe going to be toothless sometimes?
1: Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, they they didn't do any business this summer as far as incomings, but you would think with the amount of business they did the previous summer, it would have been enough. And the summer before that, I mean, where is Eden Hazard? You know, I mean, he <laughs> has been, you know, either overweight or injured, like for the vast, vast majority of his time at Real Madrid, which, um, you know, not to say that that injuries are his fault. Well, I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe if you're not <laughs> taking care of yourself, you're more injury prone. But uh, that that transfer is looking like a flop. I'm right. sorry to say. Jovic has not settled, and and you're absolutely right. They're trying to find the answers to, to supporting Benzema, which that in itself is is almost a unique problem too, because for for years and years Benzema was the foil to Cristiano Ronaldo, right? And now someone's got to be the foil to him. And Vinicius, very talented player, but finishing is still an issue for him. Um, Lucas Vazquez will work hard for the side, but he's you know limited in what he can do. Marco Asensio I I don't know what to think of him yet, you know, he had that ACL injury. Um Jovic again, like I said, not really it's not happened for him so far at Madrid. I don't know if they intend to keep him or or what, but yeah, they're they're just going to look a little bit toothless at times and um you know, usually they're pretty solid defensively. Ramos does make like a goal line clearance in this one, so yeah. That's that's good, but uh yeah, just um a weird one. And, and Kadith, man, they should be very proud that they were able to come away with something here. Cause that's really a huge, huge result for, for a club like them assist by Alvaro Negredo. I like what gonna, is he doing there?
0: <laughs> I was just going to say like, uh, you know, he's been at some of the biggest clubs in the world. Um, but Alvaro Negredo now plying his trade for Cadiz and, uh, <laughs> assisting, assisting the goal for uh, for Choco Lozano, not to be confused with Chucky. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> crazy. Um,
0: the the another big match, obviously, you know, in, I guess, eastern eastern Spain, uh, Villarreal versus Valencia in the Derby de, de la Comunidad. Uh, Villarreal, I would say heavily favored given Valencia's. Unrest and just general kind of uh, poor form um, so far this season, but they Villarreal made it kind of tough on themselves.
1: Yeah, they did. I mean, it was it was all even for for long stretches. I think when Emery is very much still trying to figure out what he wants the side to look like, and he's doing a lot of tinkering. Um, when he thinks something doesn't work, he changes it pretty much immediately, and I think that that works well given that he is in his home country and can really like explain to the players what he expects um but I think it's coming together they did make it a little bit hard for themselves with um for much of the match and just not really finishing um that well but uh then the wonder strike from who else Dani Parejo <laughs> the the former Valencia captain um and uh it was a great goal, and uh, he refused to celebrate wildly, which I thought was pretty classy, given how the way that he left was less than amicable. I don't think that has anything to do with the fans, though; very much just the club. But, um, right? But yeah, they they ultimately uh, see it through, and and they've had a a decent showing of it in in La Liga so far.
0: You expressed concern about your boy Takafusa Kubo being in the hands (laughs) of Unai Emery and in stoppage time of this one kind of loses his head and gets sent off.
1: Yeah. 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 He's still a kid. So (laughs) he very much acted pretty childish there and, and got himself sent off. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Like I just, I think I w- my concern was more just being a salty Arsenal fan because it just did not go well for us with Unai. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think ultimately Unai is a good coach. Yep. Um, admittedly, I don't know how fluent Kubo is in Spanish. I would think pretty well since he came through Barca's academy. But uh, right. yeah, the the Japanese <laughs> youngster gets sent off there and. Um, he won't be seeing the pitch for a little while. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> He's like Catalan only. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the other ma- uh, massive result for a historic club in, in La Liga. And one that has been in the top flight, uh, without interruption, um, is Bilbao a- athletic, uh, Bilbao get a win against Levante and a massive three points to kind of steady the ship for them.
1: Yeah, they were sitting in the relegation zone to start the day. And as you mentioned, Phil, they've never been relegated from La Liga. So it was looking pretty dicey there. Um, you can clearly see in their results the drop off when fans were no longer allowed at San Mames. Um, you know, for those that don't know, Athletic Club are very much kind of like the Basque national team. I mean, they are huge in 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 Bilbao and the surrounding areas, and across Spain, really. They have a lot of fans. Um, they have they even have a, a fan group here in, in the United States in Boise, where there's a big Basque population, and they play <laughs> friendlies in Boise, Idaho, every now and then. Um,
0: That's wild. So they're
1: yeah, so they're a huge club um but yeah you could- you could tell from from not having fans how much that has really impacted athletic and and I think Iska Caritano was on the hot seat um if if these poor results were to continue so this is a huge result for them um and I think that lifts them to like comfortably mid table so like thirteenth or something like that so yeah um uh, big one for athletic club
0: It's always amazing uh to me that they've never been relegated despite the fact that they their recruitment is only of Basque players. Um, They, they literally do not sign anyone who doesn't have Basque heritage uh, or lineage at least. Um, So that is just always so crazy to me that they've just consistently maintained, you know, top flight level uh, despite not, you know, just splashing out for for stars or anything like that. And in fact, I mean, as a selling club, probably one of the best in the world in terms of returns on investment. I mean, they got right. seventy plus million for Keppa.
1: <laughs> Crazy, <laughs> and they got a decent fee for Americ Laporte too. So yeah, yeah. I mean, because they, you know, they don't really negotiate. I mean, you're gonna pay what they ask or what the release clause is and, and, and that's that because of how restricted they are in the way they do business. So, right. um, yeah, they're very unique club indeed for anyone who is looking for a club to support in Spain. Athletic are definitely one to to look at. They've got a very vibrant culture and in a history. So,
0: yeah. And, and, a a couple good, uh, Basque country rivalries now in La Liga, um, mm. as well. Um, so yeah, definitely one to watch. Sociedad, you know, prominently displaying the Basque flag on the back of their alternate kits as well. So yes, uh, yeah, it, it's a uh, that's a a very healthy rivalry as well with Sociedad being the uh, the former the 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 boyhood club of one Shabi Alonso as well.
1: Yes, and he's coaching there, I believe, right? Yeah, coaching he's Coaching the, the team. Yeah. I wanted Arteta to bring him on the staff at Arsenal so bad. <laughs> like I would love that.
0: <laughs> um the last uh the last really big result in Spain, Atleti uh rise to see off uh Celta Vigo and and it's Luis Suarez El Pistolero in the 6 minute uh kind of showing what this what this partnership with Diego Costa could potentially be.
1: Yeah, yeah, he uh, opens the scoring for Atleti, and they both played very well. Although Diego Costa goes off with an injury, and he was like in tears, so either he was in a lot of pain, or he knew it was serious, or both. Um, so, you know, just as we thought we were seeing the budding of this shit house partnership, it might actually <laughs> be longer than than we think to really see them play together again. Um, but yeah, this is a huge result for Atleti because Barca and, and Madrid both drop points, so they'll they'll be really. Enjoying this one. Um shout out Lucas Torreira, who made his debut in midfield for uh, Los Cochoneros. He had a very good debut, I thought his game just suits Atleti to the ground. I mean, just win the ball, fight for the ball, pass it, simple pass to the to the flanks. Um, and he's Uruguayan. So there you go. I mean, he's just made to play for Atleti. <laughs> so um and he, he worked so hard he had to be helped off by two staff members because he was just cramping so hard so hopefully that was just because <laughs> he hasn't played in a while and not because of any serious injury but um you know on the south Vigo side not great to get beat at home at the Balaidos and um they have a serious goal scoring problem um if if Yago Aspas is not putting it in the back of the net then Santi Mina or anyone else are not really offering much um so i i wonder if 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 Aspas is going to have to do another Madness to keep uh, <laughs> to keep the uh, Galician side up, so and I hope so, I think that there should always be a Galician side at least in La liga and with you know Depor, super Depor's uh
0: yeah
1: horrible fate in recent years it's 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 just celta up there now, so
0: right. we will see yeah winless now in four for celta and that's uh definitely i mean that it that is including. Uh, draw to Valladolid, a loss to Osasuna, um, and now losses to Barca and Real Madrid, or Atleti. Uh yeah. So, I mean, certainly like not a good run of form for Celta. And you'd think, uh, I mean, with obviously the last Santi Mina, his maybe his best goal scoring years are in the past. I'm not really sure. We thought, I think we all thought that he would kick on, you know, a couple of years ago, he was up towards the top of the scoring charts, um, in, in La Liga. And and now him and Aspas is not so much of a partnership as a, you know, a one man show, um, Aspas, the, the man and Nolito, I think as well is, is just not offering quite as much from in this new kind of midfield role that he's being employed in. So I, I'm not really sure you would think he would be an added threat. Um, but, I don't know. The system just doesn't seem to be working for Celta in, in terms of production. Um, right. and, and I mean, it might take some drastic changes or as he said, it might just take Iago Aspas just absolutely going off. Then that's, <laughs> which is, you know, is, is certainly possible, um, uh, but might not be enough to keep them up, but we'll see, uh, as, uh, as things continue in, in La Liga, um, a big weekend, but, to jump over briefly to the Bundesliga before we take our, our next break. Obviously, the Bundesliga had a lot of action this weekend as well, and plenty that we're unfortunately going to gloss over. But the big story this year right now in German football is Schalke and just the absolute dumpster fire um, that a very proud club has become. Mm. Um, it all kind of came to a head this weekend. The, the, the lack of results and the lack of form all came to a head as they drew union union Berlin and uh, the fans decided to make themselves heard.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. So they drew union Berlin, which, you know, you should probably be winning that one. At least Gonzalo Pesantia opens his account for the club uh, on loan from Frankfurt. So that's good because I I still wonder where they're getting the goals from. Um, They haven't had, by the way, a goal scorer score over fifteen goals since Raul, I think, in a season. I oh my believe god. that's right.
0: Oh my um, god. Um
1: yeah, so they they just haven't and there was uh oh god, what's his name? The Dutch striker. Huntelaar. Yeah. He scored a whole bunch, but that that's yeah. been a while now. Yeah. So they just yeah, they just need to recruit someone for that. But yeah, um, yeah, as you said, the uh, Ultras, they, they uh, met the club brass at the uh, Veltins Arena. And, and I'm just going to read the quote because even just reading it, it's like scary. Um, but basically, the Ultras said, or the capo for the Ultras said, quote, that was okay today, but you need to do more in the Derby. It's the most important game of the year. You can lose, but it depends on the manner. If it's not at least as good as today, we'll see each other again and it won't be as peaceful. Understood?
0: Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, the Revier so, Derby a lot more of a challenge, perhaps than Unión.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> and with the scintillating form that Dortmund are in, it's uh, yeah, that one can get real ugly for Schalke real quick. Um, obviously, it's a Derby, so who knows? I mean, they could Schalke could go off too um and, and it you know apparently the players were fired up by by what the ultras were saying i don't know if fired up is a euphemism for scared but um <laughs> we shall see uh you know shalka being one of those 100% fan owned clubs uh, member owned clubs that you know the fans have a lot of say and um they are listened to and so we'll see if they respond to that but just thought that that was interesting um shalka just I don't know, man. They're just (laughs) crazy. You know, Manuel Baum is, he's got quite a job.
0: On the uh, more uh, kind of a juxtaposition, the last thing I'll say uh, is on the positive side, Stuttgart making a great start to the season. And with a win over Hertha, are we seeing, I was faced with this, this question, are we seeing... A resurgence of of Stuttgart and and genuinely good form, or is Hertha not as good or not getting their not getting their form together as quickly as we thought? Like, is this a good win for Stuttgart or is this a really really bad loss for Hertha?
1: I mean, at the risk of of um, you know kind of punting on the question, I think it's both. Hertha outplayed Stuttgart. You know, if you look at the numbers, they created way more chances and had way more of the ball, but Stuttgart were able to put the ball in the back of the net twice, and Hertha could not do the same. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you can't say that Hertha haven't invested in this side, Um, you know, and and Bruno Labbadia has been able to get a two-and-out of these guys, but it's just not happening for them right now. I hope Stuttgart are, are, you know, having a resurgence, though, because they're a big club. They're a club that are you know they've yo-yoed um, recently and mm-hmm. um, have had issues with with consistency. But um, yeah, I mean the two nil, two nil win over Hertha, they drew Leverkusen last time out. Won over Mainz handily for one. Another club in trouble, by the way. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, it's it's been a good start. They they uh, I think they go to no, they host Köln next. So so that'll be an interesting one. Um. But but yeah, it's, uh, I hope so. Just look at our, our fun little club and one that I think should be in the
0: top flight. The, there's a ton more to talk about if you can even imagine that. Uh, so <laughs> I think, uh, what do you say? We take one more break and then we'll uh, talk some Italian and French uh, football before we get on to some Champions League later on. Sounds good. Welcome back to Hardcore Football. Mika, it's it's time to talk Serie A. And the the big result happened kind of first thing um, on this match day. And it was an exciting matchup. Napoli versus Atalanta. And Napoli off the... On the back of being deduct or being deducted a point for not fulfilling their fixture against Juve and being awarded a loss in that match as well, um they came out and made a statement uh with this four one win over over a another Champions League side in Italy.
1: Yeah, I think we knew when we see Napoli and Atalanta on the fixture list that it's gonna be goals. For yep. days. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, on this day it wasn't Atalanta's day. Um, as far as the goal score is concerned, Napoli completely blow them away. Um, Atalanta's defending was comical. I mean, <laughs> it's it wasn't
0: good.
1: Um <laughs> opens his account for Napoli yep. after making his big money move from from Lille. So um that's good. Um and yeah, Napoli just dominated and and it's a great way to respond to you know, the adversity that's been kind of, I would argue put on them, you know, it's not necessarily anything of their own doing necessarily. It's just unfortunate. Um, and, and yeah, they just emphatic win over a very, very talented Atalanta side,
0: a quick fire double as well for Chucky Lozano. Um, mm. I think we talked about it at the beginning of the season or maybe, you know, I think maybe just in conversation, not for this podcast. Um, about the fact that he kind of seemed like it just didn't work. And, you know, Hey, like maybe, maybe it was a bad move for him to maybe he left the Netherlands too early and, and all of that. And I mean, now he's, he's in really good form and, and looks to be fitting in quite well to this, to this Napoli side.
1: Yeah. 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 You're absolutely right. I I definitely said that for a while there, it looked like he wasn't, going to make it there um, in Italy. But um, I think a lot of credit goes to Gennaro Gattuso for the way that Napoli is playing. I think that it's very easy to get into this kind of lazy narrative about, about Gattuso that he, he'll he yell a lot and threaten the players a lot and get a lot of work right out of them. But he's got this Napoli side scoring for fun. Um, and and a lot of people thought that De Laurentiis was insane for hiring him after, after a you know, um, Ancelotti departed, but uh, it's worked. It's worked really well, and and it's it's awesome. I mean, you would think these two things kind of don't go together, but um, he deserves he deserves a lot of of
0: kudos for for how it's going in Naples. Yeah, it uh, it is really odd to see a matchup of Gattuso versus Gasparini, and have Gattuso, you know, be equally. Uh, in the attacking camp, and and you know, um, <laughs> uh, based on his his uh playing days, but I guess you know, there's a lot of uh defensive minded players who become attack minded coaches. Uh, Pep Guardiola, so um, yeah. <laughs> Jurgen Klopp, also, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, but the other massive match, um, in in Syria was obviously the. Milan Derby, the der, Derby Della, della Madonina. Um, and surprisingly enough, I think you ran a poll. A lot of people obviously backing Inter in mm-hmm. this one. And AC Milan able, able to get a win over their, over their rivals, a rare sight in recent years.
1: Yeah, this is AC Milan's first Derby win in four years, I think. Um what can you say about Zlatan that has not been said? I mean, he is timeless. You know, when you when you see a player of his stature move to MLS, you're thinking, okay, one last payday, and then he's going to hang up the boots. This man came back to Europe and completely galvanized this young AC Milan side. Um, you know, he likes to make a meme of himself, but actually in this side, I would argue that it's actually doing a lot of good in that it's taking the attention... And the pressure off these young players um and, and um he's apparently been such a great influence in the locker room and and Rafael Leal is who I think of as as complimenting him a lot for helping him to develop and just become a better player um and they link up for for Zlatan second in this one um so yeah he was he was incredible. Did you see the tweet that he he uh, posted after the match? oh Bill? God.
0: No, I did not.
1: It it was a picture of a lion with like a bloodied mouth. And it just said uh, fame, which in Italian means hunger. (laughs) And uh, it's the most Zlatan thing. Oh, my God.
0: Um, He's insane.
1: Yeah, it's
0: incredible. He's a a crazy person. I 100%. I, I... This, this match also struck me as, as really interesting. Um, I think not, I don't want to say similar to the Betis game, but there were a couple of moments in this one where I think inter were maybe a little bit hard done by,
1: (laughs) oh, they should have drawn to be
0: honest. Yeah. Um, I think the, I think the officiating was, was a bit lopsided potentially. Um, and Conte definitely expressed as much, um, I'm sure, in, in various Italian curse words. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I just – I think, one, like, this Milan team is definitely more resilient than, than they've been in recent years. We've not seen kind of the ability to grind out a result like this. I think they often – I mean, they've literally been a meme, like – of right. in, in recent years uh, of just kind of comically bad results. Um and Inter, inter are just uh I, I think this is obviously a big it's a big blow for them, but I think it's more so a blow because they expected to be, you know, in competition with Juve, not in competition with like five teams. And I think that's maybe the theme of this of the season um across Europe is that we're seeing kind of the established teams that we thought would be competing for titles are drawn into these kind of early, I don't know, like dog fights or, or, you know, mosh pits, if you will, for hardcore football <laughs> purposes, um, of a bunch of teams, you know, all taking points off each other.
1: That's actually a really, really interesting point. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Inter, they they just look like they're still trying to get over the disappointment of the Europa League. I mean, the the start has not been smooth sailing. In, in, you know, contrast that with AC Milan, who are perfect through four games. Um, this this is the first time that they've taken maximum points in a quarter century, <laughs> and they topped the, <laughs> the table. Um, so Stefano Pioli, another another manager in Italy, who deserves a lot of
0: credit. Um, a, a big, big result. Um, also in Italy, uh, Sampdoria, um, welcome Lazio to, to Genoa and blow their doors off three nil and, uh, Lazio, not even really in this game. Um, no shots on target, but they were, they are at the moment um, missing their main goal scorer uh, Chiro Immobile. Mm. Um, and it kind of showed in the fact that they were just completely held, you know, not generating one shot on target against Sampdoria is not great, especially given the result that Sampdoria was just handed by Napoli a couple of, you know, just a few weeks ago. Um with the heavy scoreline um so yeah i i just found this to be really shocking from a team that was up near the top of the table last season
1: yeah i'm mean, talking about another timeless wonder fabio qualiarella yeah <laughs> i mean he, this man is 37 years old and he has 3 goals in 4 games so i mean Sampdoria are not a great side um with all due respect to them but he keeps banging them in and then he he gets help from two other players who I admittedly don't know a lot about, but, uh, yeah. Um, Lazio, another one that I think we thought were going to be a bit more serious (laughs) than this, but they have not had a great start. Either just one win in four.
0: Yeah. And the last, the last big one in Italy, we have to discuss Crotone holding a 10 man Juve to a one-one draw um and uhvaro marata getting the only juve goal but chiesa uh assisting it if I remember and then being sent off so a bit of a uh bit of a mixed bag for the uh Juve debut debutante, debutante yes. um from from Fiorentina and uh a much well on this show anyways maligned transfer
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, at least he's playing, right? You said there would be possibly space on that right that right hand side. Um what do you, I didn't get to see this one. What did he get sent off for?
0: I actually didn't see the uh I didn't see the challenge uh um, okay. or anything. That's crazy. And uh there were a lot of cards handed out in this one, so it could be it could be, you know, something
1: uh Wow, yeah, there were one. Retaliation two, three, or something like that. Seven cards, seven yeah. cards handed out.
0: Yeah, um,
1: Dang. huge result for Katron though, obviously.
0: And it, it was a weird, it was weird because it was a pretty changed side, too, for Juve. Mm. Um, Murata obviously getting the start, but um, a completely changed like midfield. We know Weston McKenney is currently out with COVID. Um, do you think there's maybe, just based on the team selection, do you think there's maybe bigger impacts? Because, uh, I mean, like, none of his normal starting midfield, of Pirlo's normal starting midfielders actually started this game. And, in fact, uh Rabiot is the only one who actually even came in.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the bigger question for me, and this has been a question since... Even when Sadi came in, is why is Pablo DiBAL not seeing the pitch? Yeah, a player as talented as him, like you have to find a way <laughs> to fit him. In. Like, I mean, surely, right? Yeah. Unless I, mean, I don't know what it could be that I, uh, you know, I have followed Dybala since his Palermo days, so I very much have a soft spot for him. But it's like, surely, like he fits somewhere here. He can yeah. play as a striker, he can play as a ten, uh, or you know, a shadow striker, whatever you want to call it. Um, so that, that to me is really weird. That he has not <laughs> seen the pitch. So. Especially
0: with Ronaldo out f- also with COVID. Um, mm-hmm. but with Ronaldo, out, like that's always been the, the narrative surrounding ball is that, Oh, he occupies like too similar of a space as Cristiano Ronaldo. And that's why he's not playing, which is somehow also used for him not playing for Argentina. Um, like when Messi's in. So I yeah. I guess if he's then not playing even when Ronaldo's not in it's like he's gone, you know, he's gone for Portanova instead of Dybala like
1: Right, which like who the hell is that first right. of all?
0: Like <laughs> Portanova and Kulusevski like over Paulo Dybala is just it seems nuts on its face. So I just I don't know. Do
1: you think he moves? I think I I want him to move. Like I would love to see him in uh in Spain or in England or something. Cause yeah. it's, it's, just, it's, it's getting to a point where
0: it's like ridiculous, you know, free, free Dybala, um, free,
1: <laughs> free the homie. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: quickly to France, Mika. I mean, Liga Un offering up some, some more, uh, big matches this weekend. Maybe none of the shocking results, um, perhaps, uh, of elsewhere, but, um Marseille continued their kind of bright, you know, uh ending of last season and beginning of this, uh with mm-hmm. a nice three one win over Bordeaux and also a couple well, the first goal anyway is pretty stunning goal uh um, from from Tovang. Yeah, Tovon Florian Tovon showing his class.
1: What a goal. Yeah, just nice curly effort into the top corner. Um Another one of those newcastle French uh players that did not make it there, but is reviving himself in france <laughs> um yeah great result for 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 andre viebosch's side also he's he's really done well with this side because jordan Amavi i think also scores a goal and mm-hmm. he was a meme for a long time um just as a player and uh I think he's really turned it around under under viebosch so Good result for them and um I mean I low-key laugh at any time lose because of how Koscielny left Arsenal. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I, I, I think uh obviously it's um it's always when we see these these bigger kind of teams like Lyon and, and Marseille uh You know, these are the ones that we expect towards the top of the table. And and so far this season not the case. Um Mm -hmm. uh at least early on. And uh a team that is up and around the Champions League places Nice, uh the boyhood club of one Alexi Bassetti. Uh for
1: shout out Alexi. If
0: you know, you know. Um (laughs) but they uh Nice Nice takes down Saint Saint Saint-Etienne uh three-one in uh in what is a um, uh, not, you know, it's a clash of two very historic, uh, French teams and, and very well-supported French teams, I think, um, is the best way of, of approaching this one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Santa Diana have been pulled apart in the transfer market. Unfortunately, um, Saliba's gone. Wesley Fofana is gone to Leicester, um, and, and they just aren't. You know, the same side they were, and you know, I'm not surprised to see them ship three to Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. so it'll, it's gonna be a tough one, I think, this season for, for Santé Tien trying to find uh answers. They do have Retzos from I don't know if that's a loan from Leverkusen or permanent, but I mean, that's a good signing either way, yeah. Um, so hopefully, um, <laughs> hopefully he can do something for them, but uh, yeah, good result for Nice, and they're what are they fourth now. So that's yeah, pretty fourth. good, Patrick Vieira side shout out.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> the I I think the the one um, the one thing about this. Well, first the first goal from Lise Malou is like ridiculous it's such a good goal um another banger I' did not
1: get to see it. I will look it up though
0: another banger, and then the signing I really like of of nieces and uh, a player that Vieira is now getting a song out of is Amin mean um, query mm. from Lyon. and youth player came up through Lyon's system, niece able to get him uh you know for like thirty million or something like that. they kind of splashed the cash on him. But he's i mean very promising player, and he's already already you know reaping the benefits of uh of playing in this nice side so um he's certainly one to watch for the future i think um coming out of uh coming out of france um and then the last the last uh you know very very big uh result as well Lille firing themselves top um with a f- resounding 4 nil win over RC Lance, who's been one of the surprises of the uh of the early Liga Un season but saw themselves reduced to nine men actually in this one um and uh Lille took full advantage of the uh <laughs> of the number <laughs> the numbers advantage um firing four past their uh past their rivals
1: yeah, another really exciting Derby Do North I Lasso, you know, Rue having to defend as long as they did with with the significant disadvantage. But um even even if it were even strength the entire time through, I think Lee would have had enough. They have so many talented players. I, I love, love, love that duo of, of Jonathan Bamba and 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 Ikone. Mm-hmm. Um Gilmaz also scores. Yeah. Um Jonathan David he played he was okay but he's still I think still adapting to to life in France um so you know any Canada fans will will be paying close attention to that one but yeah great result for for Lille under Christophe Galtier and they they're top so it's amazing they're top of I think only a point above PSG but still um again these these uh big teams are are having to work for it this season
0: yeah, yeah, there's uh nothing being nothing being handed to any of the big boys uh so far and I think uh you know the what was it called? The disrespect uh, is, is kind of throughout the game right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no one's, no one's bowing to anyone. And as we kind of take a jump around, around the rest of Europe, a, a massive match, obviously that a lot of people follow with a lot of interest is the old firm derby coming out of Glasgow and in Scotland. And for a long, long time, Celtic, the established power and Rangers have had all of these off field issues. well, Steven Gerrard's Rangers team get a 2-0 win over Celtic at Hampden Park and those have been equally hard to come by as some of these other results that we've spoken about tonight.
1: Yeah, it's an incredible it's an incredible result for Rangers and I feel like Steven Gerrard is just under the radar doing a really great job. Um you know, if there's any England midfielder legend who Probably deserves their job. It's him, not fucking <laughs> Frank Lampard. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, two two goals by by Connor Goldson are, are enough to see Rangers through, and they are four points top. Yeah. Uh, clear um, at the top of the Scottish Premiership. So the Scot- Scottish Premiership is now on ESPN, so that's lit. Yeah plus so mm-hmm. I will try and watch that too Shit. <laughs> <I don't know>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're never so, yeah. gonna run out of stuff yeah
1: no never
0: it is that is I think of the matches that um that will garner attention uh Ranger Celtic you know I think anybody who follows the game worldwide can appreciate that that rivalry and and the um, the intensity of that is, is tough to match like in any, you know, in any Absolutely. level. And, and, um, yeah, I, it certainly of all the matches that we've t- spoken about, I think it's probably the one that might feel the strangest without fans to watch. Um, because True. it, that's such a central part of all of it, but huge result for, for Gerard's uh Ranger side. And I think, uh, you know, really the, the way the, the Scottish premiership has gone, you know, the games between Rangers and Celtic are, are often, you know, have a lot to say in the title race. So, um, you know, can Steven Gerrard get over the curse, whatever it is that's like (laughs) hanging over his head as far as league titles go. And, and if he can win a league title with Rangers, that will be, I mean, he'll be elevated to just a different, a different, level uh you know as far as scottish uh football is concerned um and uh perhaps he'll get more of a chance uh elsewhere i guess um at a uh top side uh but i guess that remains to be seen um but speaking of players kind of plying their trade out outside of the norm uh mario gerza who we spoke about in the transfer special uh debut goal for psv
1: yeah, it took him eight minutes <laughs> in the red and white of, of the uh, Phillips club uh, to score. And PSV, they also topped the table, granted by one point over Ajax, who, who've who got European football to contend with as well this season. So maybe PSV will reclaim the crown. Um, I know those in, in, in the south of the Netherlands would love to see that. So, um, yeah, good, great for, for Gutsa. And, and um, I hope he continues to crack on. He's still a good player, still um, with a lot to offer, obviously.
0: Yeah. His, uh, I, I just, I, I think his career has been, been so kind of marred almost by <laughs> how, how the expectation and I guess like where he was going and, and the idea that he was going to be one of the best in the world. And, um, it just never turned, you know, it really never turned into that for him. Um, and his, his peak was a lot sooner than I think, um, people anticipated. So, uh, now he can go enjoy his football and not have that weight of expectation. And hopefully he can, he can, uh, just enjoy himself a little bit and maybe it will give him a shot to, to come back to a top side and without that, uh, but not to say that PSV aren't, you know, that's certainly, and they start, they got a a pretty classy win over Zvol. So, um, yeah, maybe he'll enjoy himself a little bit more in in the Netherlands. And PSV top of the league as well over Ajax at the moment. So, um, yeah, absolutely. But the big story coming up this week is the return of European football. It seems like it almost never left. Um, and, uh, (laughs) the champions league is back with the group stage Europa league as well. Um, I'm really interested what you think. Obviously there's huge matchups throughout the champions league. That's, that's the whole point, but what are, what are some of your, or what's your, what's your go-to matchup in the, in this match week, this first, uh, match week that kicks off tomorrow?
1: yeah so obviously, I think it's hard to look away from Paris Saint-Germain, Manchester United. um obviously, they had that really explosive tie, like what was it two years back already yeah where or was it last year? I don't know, it's whatever. um <laughs> where oligon Solskjaer kind of it was two years ago, right, where yeah. he kind of uh made his name, I guess you could say Rio like, Ferdinand. Get yes. the
0: contract out. Put it on the yes. table. Yeah, whatever. Like. <laughs> <laughs> the exit, <accent>, though.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, so that one obviously is going to be interesting. Um, chelsea Sevilla, that could be tasty. Uh, Sevilla, well, both teams really are the, the last two Europa League champions, so that'll mm-hmm. be an interesting one. Back in the, the elite, the most elite competition, Um, so yeah, those are the two. And then, you know, personally, I'm really looking forward to, to, uh, motion Gladbach and Inter Milan. Uh, hopefully Gladbach have not been great to start the season and neither have Inter. So I don't know, maybe we'll, (laughs) uh, maybe we'll, we'll see something there.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, selfishly again, you know, Liverpool Ajax is, is a, a pretty cool matchup of, of two, you know, European, Giants, uh, you know, in terms of, of the history with the competition. Um, but yeah, Bayern at Letty is just that's <laughs> fascinating. As you know, it's not unstoppable
1: one of the- force and immovable object <laughs> vibes.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I think given the fact, that, you know, because I think Bayern obviously would carry the the expectation as the favorite as the champions, but the this at Letzi side especially is so set up. Like I feel like Diego Simeone would will have locked himself in a room, a dark room, with the Hoffenheim tape, <laughs> and just like there's just like dark. You know that like horror movie music is just like in the <laughs> background as he watches like Andre Cromerich making like darting runs behind. Um, and he's just seeing <laughs> like where Coke can exploit space like on yeah. the counter. And that's hit just, I don't know. It'll be interesting though. Like given the departure of Thomas Partey, mm. I'm interested to see like the impact on this atleti side in Europe. Like, I, I don't know that we'll necessarily see it as pronounced in La Liga, but certainly in Europe, I think that's where his departure may cause some issues. Um, but we've seen this Byron side struggle with the counterattack, and Atleti absolutely feasts on that.
1: They sure do, yeah. Um, you think Byron play that sarcastically high line in this one.
0: <laughs> they do it just for just for the lulls, like <laughs> Simeone, dare Simeone to to get in behind. I don't know. It's a it's it's an interesting one. I don't know how much of a, you know, we've obviously seen Hansi flick, you know, get to and win a European final, but like, do we know Hansi flick the gamesman? Like, do we know Hansi flick the, the tinkerer? Um, or is he just kind of the, the man motivator?
1: Right. Yeah. I, I truly don't know. Can I say something? Um, and, I hope your sister doesn't listen to this, but (laughs) like (laughs) with Hansi Flick now, he's like done like all, he's unlocked all the achievements in one season. (laughs) So it's to me, it's almost like, is he going to suffer kind of from what Pep Guardiola did at Barcelona, where it's like you won so much so quickly that there's just this like drop off and you can't the momentum you've used up all your momentum in one season. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Or do they crack on? I mean, it's, I don't know. I worry about him, I guess in that sense.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be, it's gotta be jarring for a coach who, you know, has the interim label slapped on him and then wins everything. Like, right. That's, that's a lot. Um, When it's like, Hey, steady the ship. And you're like, no, I think I'll win the treble, Like, (laughs) for real that that's kind of crazy so i i think um i think obviously he's capable of of pretty much anything um given that but there is maybe an element of you know i and maybe he's maybe he's grounded enough in the club and in the like in his own kind of world that it's not he doesn't really think that way and maybe it's maybe it's not something you know he. Success is just an expectation, like not a, not mm. something to be like chased.
1: <laughs> right, but right,
0: but his mentality. You know, far be it for me to to predict. I guess like what what is going through Hansi Flick's mind, but um, but I feel like compared to the other personalities of the World Game, we don't know him as well as we know like Pep or Klopp, or even you know Tuchel, or or you know Nate Simeone for sure um like they all have these kind of very specific personalities and and we kind of can try to get inside their heads Hansi I don't I don't feel that way about him like uh, yet you know it, he doesn't right. he doesn't carry that uh
1: And he's quite stoic to boot yeah. so it's like even harder to get a read on on the man but uh it's it'll be an interesting one
0: Yeah I I'm I'm really fascinated by by a few of these matchups and obviously the the Europa League starting up too not to like Poo-poo it or anything like that. Obviously, we're focused on the Champions League, but the Europa League always offers some some fantastic matchups.
1: Yeah. Um, there is a group that has like Celtic in it and Milan and Lille, I think. Like that's fun. That's yeah. a lot of fun. Um, obviously Arsenal play in this fucking competition. So uh <laughs> we take on Rapid Vienna on thursday so obviously i will be trying to to watch that um I, our, our group is a joke i mean we've done dog and and rapid which i think actually are the the most tough competition mm-hmm. um but it, it's kind of fun that we're going to ireland like the the travel is not nearly as bad right as it was in in other seasons but yeah um you know <laughs> I think Europa League actually is like the hipsters competition because it's got all these like uh weird <laughs> weird yeah. match like I mean wh- where's um Maccabi Tel Aviv versus Karabagh. Like Right. Dino Dino's Mozagreb versus Feyenoord, like that's kinda lit. <laughs> um yeah, Spurs playing L A S K. So, yeah, there's just a smattering yeah. of big clubs and and some of the European, uh, I hate to say minnows, but I don't know what else you would say.
0: I would love to know <laughs> the last time, if ever, there was a time that Spurs and Arsenal both played teams in Europe from the same country on the same day. That's so weird. It's probably never happened before. Oh my gosh! Because Rapid and Lask are both Austrian sides. Um, that's
1: right.
0: That's really weird. Anyways, <laughs> odd trivia late into the hours of hardcore football. <laughs> um, nice Leverkusen for me is like probably stands out as one of the big ones. Celtic Milan is is also a, a, a fascinating uh, fixture. Although I do think Milan are are massive favorites. Um, yeah,
1: Celtic never really. Show much in Europe? Do they?
0: Yeah, that uh, PSV
1: Granada. That's kind of interesting. Granada beat Sevilla in the Andalusian derby this week, and PSV are off to a good start. So that's an interesting yeah. one.
0: Yeah. Um. And then yeah, you always do have the the odd ones like Leicester versus Zorya Luhansk. Um. <laughs> so yeah, there I I do really enjoy the um uh, the Europa League and and some of the broad kind of. Um, the more broad like exposure to to different different types of of football and and even even teams like Red Star like Travna Zvezda, Zvezda um, taking on Hoffenheim that's always it's always interesting to see the Belgrade teams involved uh, because they yeah. carry quite the reputation so um, obviously not as intense if supporters are not involved but. Yeah. The Europa League is, is always a lot of fun. For sure. Um, well, I think, uh, I think we're probably, we've probably overstayed our welcome in in our listeners ears by this point. Um, but gosh, this weekend was just so crazy. Um, and Mika, I want to know, we have our songs of the season playlist for, for anyone who hasn't listened to us before we have a playlist on Spotify rather than Sticking songs on the podcast. Cause this is a bit of a football and music intersection. Um, but rather than sticking the songs on the podcast and, you know, getting copyright struck and all of those things, uh, <laughs> we have a Spotify playlist, which you can find in the bio on our Twitter and, uh, in the, uh, likely in the tweet that you found this episode in. Um, so, Mika, what are you adding to the podcast or to the uh, playlist here? Um, And and what was your what was your thinking this week?
1: Yeah, so I have gone first with a song by Glassjaw called "Cosmopolitan Blood Loss." Um, It's just a it's just a fun jam, a classic jam by a classic like hardcore band. Yeah, um, from you know out of that New York scene. Um, and the, the title of the song, Cosmopolitan Bloodlust, it just reminded me of all the big teams that took L's or like less than stellar <laughs> results this, uh, this past weekend, you know, Spurs, Chelsea, Barca, Madrid, Sevilla, who else? I mean, everyone got that smoke. Juve. <laughs> like, um, so, so yeah. Um, and I just love this song. It's a good song. Yeah. Uh, and then, I've also gone with um, the artist in the ambulance by thrice. Another just banger. I love thrice. Yeah. Um, they're one of those bands that their music has kind of spanned a bunch of different genres. I would argue like, sure. Some like kind of hardcore, some kind of post-hardcore, some more like ambient style. Like they've just done so much in their careers. Um, and uh, this one's just a shout out to, to all the players that are having their careers, like, you know, Severely impacted by these horrible challenges that we saw, mostly, uh, you know. Shout out to Big Verge. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, uh, you know, I'm not a Liverpool fan, but you love to see the the best players playing, and um, so this one kind of just made me think of him um, as he as he starts his his rehab with the ACL. So
0: yeah. What about you, Phil? I uh, so I went with a couple of songs uh that I'm trying to highlight. Um, you because know, I think I, I've gone for trying to mix like some old, some new, and mm. you went, you de- you went definitely old school this week, uh, or I older did. school. Uh, I, I decided to go with some newer stuff to just show that, you know, there's still good music being made out there. Um, and, uh, so I was torn because Everton fans obviously are living their highest dream right now, which is (laughs) they drew with Liverpool. So, um, (laughs) so I, I picked a song by kingdom of giants called blue dream. I did not pick the dance, Gavin dance song called blue dream, uh, which I almost did. Um, but I went with this, this one because kingdom of giants just put out a new album called passenger. And I have been, jamming it quite frequently since it dropped last Friday. Um so I would just in, uh encourage anyone to check it out and this song Blue Dream is just this it's kind of this weird mix of like a soft song and a heavy song and it's just really great and unique and and I would just yeah I I really really enjoy it. Um and then another another newer song uh for this other one it's a band called Invent and Invent Animate. Um and it's their song Hollow Light. And I got a kick out of it. One, this song is a banger. Um little little heavier, I would say, um, but still like some very melodic parts. Um and <laughs> one of the lines towards Towards the end is uh closed eyes plead to deaf ears. And that was Michael Oliver with his closed eyes pleading to the deaf ears of the VAR. <laughs> Mike who <Hoot. Dang. laughs> but no, I really do love uh the song Hollow Light uh by Invent Animate. It's really it's it's truly fantastic. Um and it's just Showing that, you know, in the modern game, there's still things we can appreciate uh, both in football and in music. Um So, yeah, that was my that was my thought for this week.
1: I like it. I've never heard of Kingdom of Giants and you just said they came out with a new album. So I'll, I'll definitely check that out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The album's called Passenger and it's just like they they've been around for a little bit, but they're. The, their sound is kind of evolved, uh, slightly, but they, they kind of stick to their like post hardcore, um, maybe metal like metalcore ish roots. Um, mm. but yeah, it's, a a very, uh, very enjoyable album. A lot of catchy melodies as well in the, in the like choruses and stuff. So they're not just strictly like a heavy band or anything like that. A lot of solid guitar nice. work, some good melodies in the vocals. So yeah, it's, it's uh, very enjoyable. Um, and speaking of hopefully you dear listener have enjoyed this, uh, this episode of hardcore football. You can find us on all the, all the podcast platforms. Um, so be sure to follow, subscribe, uh, whatever that platform allows you to do. Um, if you can leave us a review on Apple, if that's what you use, that's always appreciated because it does help us grow the podcast. And, uh, yeah, we're continuing to just, um, do this and see what kind of response it gets. And hopefully, uh, the people who listen, enjoy and, uh, we will, yeah, just keep enjoying the world's game and, and keep bringing you our, uh, our takes on it. So, uh, Yeah, until next time.